Hello and welcome to the Gibraltar Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Ravagliate. Whether you're a first-time listener or tune in regularly, thank you for supporting the show. It's super cool welcoming more listeners each week. This is a passion project of mine. It means so, so much that you're there, so thank you. The Gibraltar Business Podcast is brought to you by the GFSB and is sponsored by the Gibraltar International Bank, which, lucky for us, shares our passion for all things business. I'm grateful to the bank for their continued support and invaluable contribution to our little show. So on to this week's episode. Chances are, if you run any kind of business in Gibraltar, you'll know and you possibly worked with my guest this week. Julian Byrne is the founder of Piranha Designs Gibraltar and has built an impressive roster of clients both here in Gibraltar and abroad. Julian stepped down as chair of the GFSB in March this year, having led it through challenges such as Brexit, COVID, new member growth and the unsuccessful bid. As you can imagine, we had lots and lots to talk about when we met. Over to the interview. Enjoy the show. Okay, Julian, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. For the benefit of our listeners, and I think a lot of people will know who you are, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you started your business? Yeah, so I studied in the UK, obviously. I did a degree in graphic design and advertising. And when I finished that degree, I was working in an advertising agency in London. And a bit of a strange thing happened. I met up with a cousin of mine that I hadn't seen for 12, 14 years and we started talking about it. This was in 1999. And we started talking about work and things. And he was a programmer for Hewlett Packard. And I was doing design and advertising. And we started discussing. And he mentioned that there was a lot of money to be made in website design. And I said, well, it would be great to make a website. The first time I probably ever mentioned the word website and the idea of working together. I hadn't seen him for years. And literally that same day as I left that meeting... I was walking down the street and I had one of these old brick mobile phones, a huge one, and uh, an aunt of mine called me and she said, out of the blue, and I hadn't spoken to anyone, she said, can, Julian, can you make websites? And I said, well, I, I can, I will. And she said, well, I've got a client for you. And things just snowballed from there. We got a client in the UK. We did our first website, literally not knowing anything, learning as we went along. We built a website there and then I moved back to Gibraltar in Christmas found a client here and then started up the business locally. When was that? It was the Christmas of 1999 is when we started working in the UK. And then we started the business here in, I think, March 20, well, 2000. So I think around that time, there's a lot of the dot-com kind of, not bubble as such, but a lot of, uh, you know, increased uh, investment in websites. How has the business changed since then? So at the time, it was difficult to explain to people what a website was. And in Jib, everyone was a little bit reluctant to take on website. And, and the whole concept was a bit obscure. And now, obviously, everybody knows what a website is. We use the web all the time. And it's not difficult to explain what we do. At that time, it was difficult to explain what we did. And even more difficult to get someone to pay for our services. So what is it now that you do? So we build websites, obviously, and although websites have evolved from being basically a marketing brochure, which we still do, to being full-on systems that you can manage your business, manage a portfolio, do all kinds of stuff, like basically we replace Excel and access with a full-on admin system, a website that people can log in and interact with, that sends emails, that does automated procedures. So lots and lots of stuff that you do online that before perhaps was no one even thought was possible. What have been some of the highlights since starting? Any um, milestones that stick out? So one of the first things that we did was was we, we met up with um, a friend of the family who advised us that we should 
create a product and pitch it to someone. And we pitched that to a BMI group, which are the, the state agent that were at the time most innovative, I think. So we had pitched them an idea. And I remember being in a meeting there. I was you know, young and still just fresh out of university, first kind of pitch for a client. Uh, and it went really well. They loved what they saw. And we said, let's go for it. And so we, we started moving from there. That was the impetus for us to start building stuff for estate agents. Um, that grew really well. And then we went through a long period of time where we were doing estate agent software. And we started doing that for some companies up the coast. So we pitched to a, a big um, company in Ben Madina who took us on board. And at that point, we ended up doing around 50 estate agents in the UK, uh, loads of them up the coast, uh, building lots of systems, websites, uh, brochures, marketing material for property developments all over Spain, Morocco, Italy. Uh, we were almost at the point of focusing 100% on property and becoming a property marketing company. Um, and thanks to the same advice from that same person who started Ravos, he said, no, you need to diversify. And it was just before the property crash in Spain. So thank God that we did that. So timing, right? In hindsight, is, is a good yeah. thing. Julian, uh, your, let's talk about your approach, I guess, to business now. Are there any specific values or attributes that you think have contributed to your success today? Yeah. So my approach to business is twofold. I work to live. I don't live to work. So my approach to business is that the business has to help my lifestyle, has to help my staff and has to help the people who are involved in the business. And it's not that we are slaves to it. You know, as a person who started the business in my bedroom, it's very easy to become enslaved by it. You know, I speak to a lot of small business owners and they are just struggling for time. They don't have any time. For many years now, I finish when I finish normally at five o'clock, sometimes earlier. I finish at that time and that's it. I often don't check my emails at all most of the time. I even hardly reply to WhatsApps. You know, my business time is my business time and my work time is my work time. I prefer to work effectively in the hours that I work rather than to drag it on later. So my family has its time, my, my hobbies have their time and everything else in my life too. So that's one of the main approaches. And the other thing is to try and do things with excellence and to you know lead by example, but also to produce products that websites that pay for themselves is a phrase that we used to use so that the website brings a return on investment to the company. So they're investing X amount of money, but they're getting back more from it. So we try to make sure that where our motto is to help businesses succeed online. So we're here to help. And that's the approach that we give. And that's the support that we offer, the products that we make. We have clients that have been with us. BMI is still a client of ours for the last 23 years. And we've got lots of clients like that have been with us for many years because our Success is their success and, and vice versa. How does that process work? Obviously, you've got um, clients that have been with you since the start, which in business is, is an amazing thing to have. In terms of onboarding new clients, how does that happen? So obviously, we now have a market share that is substantial. So we have, you know, we've built around six or 700 websites now. So we have a lot of the market share in Gibraltar and, and overseas as well. And that means that a lot of people know about us already or many of the normal websites that people are using in Gibraltar, they're going to see our name on them or they're going to recognize them in our portfolio. So we get a lot of recommendations from existing clients, from new clients, from new businesses starting up. Uh, normally, obviously, we meet with them. We, we've been displaying prices on our website for many years now, which very few people do. So we have packages where it's super clear and transparent. This is what you're going to pay. This is what you're going to get. 
and that's what we what's helped us to grow. Um, you know, we've had clients from strange places like Luxembourg who've li- literally said, "I've come to you because I'm the only person, the only website designer that gives the prices online and sticks by them." And we do do that, and that's been really good for us. You know, apart from wasting, getting rid of time wasters, it also means that the business knows what they're paying, and we know what what to expect. So that's been a, a good thing, and that's helped to bring in a lot of clients. But obviously, having a big network spreads itself. Of course, the network, transparency with price, and in terms of your approach, a bit of a balance of your life and your work life, right? Yeah, <laughs> Julian. A lot of people know you obviously through the business that you're running now, but many uh, of Gibraltar's business community and wider community might know you from your role as the chair of the GFSB. Can you reflect some, uh, on that time as chair? Like, how long was it for? So it was about six and a half years, nearly seven years as chair. Um, when I took on the role, it was just at the time of Brexit. And I thought, okay, I'll see the Brexit storm through, which still hasn't really finished, but saw the Brexit storm through. And then I thought, okay, maybe that will be my tenor done. And then COVID came along and I thought, okay, well, I'll sit COVID through. And, you know, and everything just carried on and dragging on. But my goal from the beginning was to try and make the GFSB very practical. We spoke to the members and nearly all the members who were joining were all saying that they want networking networking opportunities. They want to grow their business and they want the GFSB to help them to do that and to simplify business. So we were very hands-on and we focused on making um, networking opportunities. So breakfast clubs, speed networking events and dinners, and whatever we could do. And we grew that and that's been growing substantially and, and snowballed and the numbers of members have grown. And it's been a great experience for me uh, to represent businesses, to speak to them as well, to understand their problems and to represent those problems as well to government and to different offices. And what we've done a lot over the years to try and make Gibraltar an easier place to do business and a better place to do business and the GFSB an opportunity for those new businesses to meet other businesses. And we've always had great feedback from that. And I think, you know, the strength of the GFSB that it's grown you know, around 30% in these years is, is a very good thing. You mentioned some of the challenges, and, and these are kind of everyday challenges. We're talking about uh, a global um, pandemic um, and Brexit that I think here in Gibraltar, we, none of us really expected or saw coming. How did it feel when you just went, wait, I'm on a chair and now this has happened? Yeah, it was obviously a bit scary at the time. And speaking to people at the beginning, my phone, you know, was going a bit crazy at the time. And everyone was really nervous when no one knew what's going to go on. And we've managed to continue through this uncertainty somehow, you know. And I think one thing I've learned over this time is that Gibraltar businesses are resilient. You know, most people who start businesses are either just trying it or they're people who are determined and they're people who are going to push through no matter what, you know. The facts are that most small businesses fail. But in Gibraltar, a lot of small businesses don't fail. They are successful because in our spirit, we have a, an attitude that we can win, we can succeed, we can push through the challenges. And I think that's what I saw in COVID, in Brexit, in uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. Businesses adapted, they pushed, they learned, they, they suffered, they put their own finances in, they had to make cuts, whatever they need to do to survive. But we haven't seen huge numbers of businesses close and in fact we've seen a lot of small business open as well I mean we have in the GFSP we had the innovation awards and during and just after COVID we had loads more applications than before so people were starting up were doing innovative stuff so sometimes that pressure pushes innovation and it makes businesses who've maybe not been able to adapt and makes them struggle a bit but all of that was difficult for me and for our members 
but we've ridden through it and I think, you know, um, we've done reasonably well. Absolutely. I think those comments, Julian, will resonate with a lot of our listeners, I'm sure. You kind of just have to, under, under uncertainty, your survival kicks in, doesn't it? So, yeah. So, yeah, well done, everyone, for keeping going. Um, how about some of those other challenges that you think about your time in GFSB? So, obviously, we've had a number of challenges. One has been with the business licensing. Obviously, when the Business Licensing Act came into play in 2015, uh, it made a big change on business and especially all the business having to get registered at the time. That was complicated and we worked very closely with the OFT to create a new act, which unfortunately today still hasn't been enacted. And that new act would make a lot of difference. And I think still there's a lot of other changes could be applied, but it would help a lot of small businesses to make their lives easier. There's also the one-stop shop that we pushed about, which kind of has started up, but still hasn't maybe taken its full role. And I think those things is what business need. We just need to realize that and that I realize and I realize it more and more as being part of the GFSB is that small businesses are most of the economy. You know, it's not only the bigger businesses, it's all the small ones. They all added together make a big difference. And I think that sometimes maybe that's a bit neglected and that's not seen and small business owners are seen in a different light. But we need to realize that employing two, three, five people multiplied by a thousand means 5,000 people can be employed. You know, and we carry on adding up those numbers and there's a lot of businesses and we have a lot of effect on the economy and a lot of people's families as well. And I think that's something that we need to recognize that maybe the government needs to recognize more. We need to just simplify, simplify, get rid of stuff that's not there, that's not needed, that's been there for years because it's part of the process and it's, it was something that was enacted 30 years ago, 50 years ago. But is it really necessary now? I think, you know, it's a good push to go into eGov and, and gov.gi and get rid of as much as we can in terms of paperwork. But I think it's also the processes. We need to look at them. Do we really need all these things nowadays? Or is an open market the better way to go, you know, and just let the market forces decide? And I think that's where we lie as a GFSB. Or well, I can't say we anymore, but <laughs> well, I think where the GFSB lies or did lie when I was a chair is, you know, let the market decide and let the businesses grow and flourish and, and compete with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke a bit about this off mic and I, I think, you know, we can't deny or, or kind of not, not cover it, I guess, as part of our discussion. How are you left feeling after the, the bid? How do you reflect on that now? Yes, yeah, so we planned initially to do a Main Street review. We've been approached by members who were Main Street and were struggling and finding it difficult and knew that it could be improved a lot. I think this was about 2017, something like that. So in, I think 2018... We got Kaching Retail, a company from the UK who do studies on high streets to come to Jib and to do a very complete study of the high street of what we're offering, rating it from good, bad and, and ugly and telling us what we could do to improve it and, and have loads of ideas. This document was like a blueprint for Main Street. The, the result of that document was the bid. It says that the solution that's used everywhere else in the world and the 3,000 of them is a bid, form a bid. So we moved forward with forming a bid, discussed with government, and everything moved forward. It seemed like everything was going great, and in the end, it wasn't, you know, um, and that's maybe the curiosity of Gibraltar. But look, at the end of the day, the GFSB um, and the team in the bid at the time, they want to do something that we're trying to help the traders. If the traders don't want it, or they don't want to participate in it, and they don't want to contribute to it, then we don't want to do it either. So, you know, that's, at the end of the day, of course, it's a bit of a, a sour grape you know I don't like feeling like we tried something we put a lot of effort a lot of money a lot of time 
into this and then in the end nothing came from it. But look, the groundwork is there, the foundation is there, the legislation is there. If it needs to be taken up at some other point, it can be. I would have loved it to be successful now, I was excited about it. Um, and yeah, it's not it's not a nice feeling. But at the end of the day, it is what it is and, and we move on, you know. And uh, to be honest, we've tried. And at least when, when I left the GFSB as chair, I wanted it to be leaving with the bid in place. Um, but I leave it saying, at least we tried, we did our bit and, and no one can hold that to me and say, you didn't try. No, we tried our best for Main Street. I don't own a shop in Main Street. I have no financial interest in Main Street, but I wanted to make Main Street work. And if in the end, the traders decided that they didn't want it, well, that's fine by them. You know, and the same way it would happen to me if someone wanted to do something with web design and I didn't want to. So it's fine. And we, we move on. At the time, it did create some divisions. How can local businesses work together to create a more supportive and thriving environment? I think it's difficult because we're a small community and there's a small number of customers. So it depends what sector you're in. But if you're fighting for market share, so there's two things. There's market share and market growth. If you're fighting for market share, you tend to compete with your neighbor. Mm. And I think that's what we, we end up doing. If we're doing market growth, we're trying to grow the number of potential customers by bringing in more tourists or bringing in more locals or whatever then that's a bit different because everybody wins. And I think sometimes when times are tough, it all ends up in, in grabbing a piece of someone else's pie. Um, and that's difficult. And so when you look at that in, in Main Street or in any business, in my business, in any business, we're all trying to compete for that good client. There's only so many of them. No? So it's a difficult environment in Jib in that way. So we find a lot of industries that don't really want to mix with each other. And the ones that do are tend to be bigger and tackle clients that are international, so they don't have that strain on, on a very small pool. I think that's normal in a small community. I'm not sure what else we can do about it, except to try and diversify a bit, offer something a little bit different, and also to try and work together to make Jib attractive. The more it's attractive for people from outside, the more everybody wins. But that's a difficult thing to get into people's head when they're thinking about today and tomorrow, you know? Wise words, Julian, and thanks uh, for for kind of reflecting on your on your time as GFSB as well. That's kind of really really interesting. But looking towards the future now, what are your hopes and goals for the future of, of your business, and where's your focus? So you know, I'm, I'm getting closer to my fiftieth, which sounds really old. I don't feel like that at all. So I'm trying to plan a little bit ahead where I want to go. You know, I want to create more free time for myself. I want to make sure that the business is well-structured and have a bit of a succession plan for the future. Um, but at the same time, we want to see growth. And we're, we've been always consistently small steps. And that's the way that I've run the business. Uh, and I want to continue running it and make sure that whoever succeeds me will continue the same way. Consistent, solid, small steps. You know, making a good profit, then employing more people and, and growing like that. I believe that whilst we're here just to... Um, help businesses grow. I'm also here to help the families and, and those people who work for me and with me, you know, and, and that's been a real great blessing for me to see people that are, are happy here and stayed with us a long time and that they continue to do so and add people to that team. You know, I feel like we can be a force for good if you like, you know, we can do a good job, but we can have people who like that. And my future would be to see that grow, you know, and to continue to grow locally and internationally as well. Um, and to have a business as well that we've tried to establish some principles whereby our recurring revenue covers a lot of our costs. And that's one thing that we've had for years in our background. 
in, our, in the back of our minds and that's something that we're working on. So we want re- lots of recurring revenue so we're not under the strain of having to sell every month and that pressure. So that's something that we're working on. I'd like to get there soon so that I can, you know, relax and, and retire one day in peace. Although I don't know about retiring, doing nothing, but I'm sure I'll find lots of things to do. Um, but yeah, retire with a plan in action that the business is flowing and, and, mm. and doing well. So yeah, that's the goal. Recurring income and relaxation, right? So what's next for Piranha? So obviously we have a lot of clients and we're going to continue growing that client base. Um, but we also have our own projects. So one of our other goals is to develop projects and systems that bring in recurring revenue, but are also things that we're proud of. So we have Property Gibraltar, which is really successful, which is a great thing for us to do. Um, and it's it's something that we want to push and, and continue to grow. We also are very heavily involved with Buy Tickets as well, which has also been successful. We've got the beaches cameras where we can check the, the waves and, and the beach. Uh, primarily for me, the waves is I like surfing, but it's there as well. And we've got other projects on the, in the pipeline. We're building a, a football academy system that we've sold in the UK and in Ireland, and now we want to try and push it in the States. So we're basically trying to build products of our own as well, as we're software developers at the end of the day, even though it's online software, but we can build things that can you know, make a good revenue. So that's a big part of the business, and that's a part of the business that also excites me. You know, It's exciting to do work for clients and see that successful. It's also exciting to do work for ourselves and see that grow as well. So I would like to have some more of those projects and, and those products and, and see one of them really take off. You know, we've done these things that locally are successful. It would be great. I'd love to have one that takes off globally or at least on a bigger scale that we can see is a big successful project on its own. And, and that's exciting, you know, and, and to be a part of, of something that grows is something that I've always enjoyed, the detail of it, also the design of it and, and just the functionality and seeing the success, you know. I have one more question, actually, just come from your answers. <laughs> And that's about your international business. So yeah. I think here in Gibraltar, sometimes we're very kind of, we focus on local clients, local business, um, just because of the nature of, of, of the way that we do stuff. But you mentioned some of the international projects. What the, what's the kind of split in terms of the clients that you have now? Yeah, so obviously we've got an office in Edinburgh and we've got someone in London and now we have somebody in Spain as well. Uh, in basically what we do is we mainly we get the clients from those locations the jobs from there and we're doing the work here in Gibraltar before we used to have a full setup and have another team in Edinburgh um, but that in the end actually we sold uh, part of that part of the business to uh, to one of our clients so now basically they're like um, sources of work so they bring in clients to our Gibraltar office we do that that projects those projects here and we do, we send them back to whatever location they're from it's really good to have things outside of Jib so you're not stuck in, in the, that fighting always for the same customers and so on. And that's helped us quite a lot to have a bit of things coming in from outside when there's maybe a, a slow time in Gibraltar. We can get work from the UK or from Spain or whatever. And that's helped us. Um, and I, I would advise businesses to take that step. It's not easy, though. And it's hard uh, working with other countries and other, having offices in other places. It, you know, it's a bit stressful as well sometimes, um, but it's good. And if you can do it, and if your business lends itself to it, then then definitely it's worth giving it a shot. Uh, Julian, there's one final note. What advice do you have for any young entrepreneurs who are just starting out or anyone who's thinking of, of getting into business? What can you tell them? I did a uh, talk in, in Bayside School a few years ago, 
And I realize in Jib that we don't really talk a lot about entrepreneurship at school and all that. I think that's changing now. You know, we have the Young Enterprise, we have Digital Skills Academy and things like that, which is great. I think we need to encourage people to be brave and rather than go for the safe job, maybe in the government or, you know, law accounting or whatever, to try it out. You know, look, if it doesn't work, fine. You can always fall back to another job if it doesn't work. But most people will find that, you know, they have a good idea and they have the desire to do it. They can make a success of it, you know, and, and it can be a good fun. You can, you know, it's, it gives you some freedom. The main reason people start businesses is for freedom. And unfortunately, the actual reality is most people end up more enslaved rather than free. So that's one thing. I, I've read quite a few books about this whole subject and made sure that I've implemented those in my life. I don't want to be a slave, as I mentioned before. I want to be more free. So that's something that's important. You can be more free. You can be more financially free, but also time free if you do things right and you set up the right basis and the right structure. If not, you can end up enslaved by it. But my... my um, advice to them would be to go for it Let's try and think of something original something cool that's something that can work something that you will enjoy you know i enjoy my work i don't come to work thinking oh i've got to go to work again today i enjoy going to work and that's something that i want everyone who works here to feel like that and i would love everyone to enjoy that but it's horrible to speak to people when they say oh, i hate going to work on monday or whatever i really just wish i didn't have to work that's not nice you know we want people to be enjoying what they're doing especially spending so many hours there so Make sure if you're going to go into work and into entrepreneurship or start up your own business, that's something you love, something you enjoy and read books about it and make sure that you understand that most of the time you'll end up from doing the thing you enjoy to managing the business. And then you've got to make sure that you enjoy that or you find someone else to manage it for you. That's the other side of it. So there's a lot of advice I could give to people starting out and I often do when I, when I meet them and, and discuss it with them and you know, sometimes it's it's really good to see that they take those things on board. It can be very exciting, but it can be very frustrating. You can lose a lot of money as well, but it's definitely worth a shot. So yeah, take the shot and be brave. <laughs> Julian, thanks yeah. for your time. No worries. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of the Gibraltar Business Podcast. A huge thank you to our guest, Julian Byrne, for sharing his insights and experiences with us today. I really appreciate your time and expertise in the industry, Julian. Thank you. I'd also like to thank the team at the GFSB and the production team at Motion. Your hard work and dedication keep this podcast running smoothly week after week. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Gibraltar International Bank. Again, lucky for us, sharing our passion for business. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It actually marks the end of the current season, season four, but we will be returning soon. If you can't wait till then, please listen back to past interviews. There are over 25 amazing guests, each of them bringing their own unique perspective on business. Until season five, stay positive, stay productive, and keep reaching for your goals. Thanks for listening.